0: Hey StorySide, so glad that you guys are here and I am excited to share this message. It's the finale of our series, This Is Us. Let's say that together, This Is Us. Let's say it one more time, This Is Us. It's hard to believe that we are past uh, the one third mark of the year, 2019, it's moving along. I actually... I had a guy here at the church tell me just the other day that his goal this year was to lose 20 pounds, and he told me he only has 30 pounds to go. Uh, He only has 30 pounds to go. That's not funny. Uh, As we've been talking about This Is Us and relationships and family, I want us uh, today to also look at This Is Us when it comes to our region, our area, Ohio. O-H, uh, I want us to talk about this is us when it comes to where God has planted us. When we look at families and relationships, they, they say that families, families are like fudge, uh, mostly sweet, but with a few nuts. How many knows that's true in your family? You've got some nuts, uh, some crazy people uh, in your family. And the truth of the matter is that I've not met a perfect family. I've not met a perfect business, a perfect school, a perfect area. I I think every area has some issues, and we're going to talk about that uh, in our time together. And in in the spirit of of that premise and that thought, I hope that God's word challenges us that we we all have some imperfections. We all have some issues. And that's why we need a savior that's why we need God, and God is a difference maker and I want to read to you today from Acts chapter sixteen the other night, uh, I actually was uh, uh, awoken from from my sleep and was was challenged to just contemplate this passage that I'm going to share and the more that I read it, I actually ended up getting up uh, from uh, uh, from bed and and began to to read these verses of Scripture and got so excited, so challenged, even personally, uh, just as Micah David Pelkey as a dad, a husband, and then pastorally here at Storyside. And I pray that the same challenge and the the stirring that I received, that you're going to feel it even right now as we read these verses and I share with you a little bit what I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I want to begin to read at verse number 9, Acts 16, verse number 9. It says, that night, Paul had a vision. He had a vision, and there was a man from Macedonia northern Greece that was standing there pleading with him. That's a strong word here in this translation, pleading with him. And the pleading sounded like this, come over to Macedonia and help us. Everyone say help. Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat to Troas and sailed straight across to the island, a Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi. We're going to talk about that. We reached Philippi, a major city. So some would call it the first city, some would call it the predominant city. It says a major city of that district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. Last couple of verses. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city. Notice that. We went outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. We sat down to speak with some women who were gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. And as she listened to us, the Lord, I love this, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come, I love this, it's our final verse, come and stay at my home. And she urged us, Until we agree. When I look at this passage of Scripture and we're talking about this is us, I think it's so important for us right at the onset of our message to see the importance of this area, Macedonia, but specifically that the the Bible says in this vision there was a man that was pleading... Or was begging us to come, scholars would say that Macedonia was known for being careless for it had a reputation for being idolatrous. Some would use the words vicious uh, one one writer actually used the word ignorant that they, that they had an ignorance when it come uh, when it come to spiritual things and Paul is having this vision to go to this area, this region, and there's a man in the vision or the dream that is pleading or begging for help, for help. I'm drawn to the fact that it's not just a place. It's a person. It's it's not just Macedonia. It's a man. And I think all of us could be reminded today that a heart for missions and ministry is ultimately about mankind. It's not just Belleville or Ontario or Butler or Lucas or Ashland or Mansfield or Fredericktown or Mount Gilead. It's not not just about a place, there's people there. There's people in those schools. There's people in those subdivisions. There's people in those companies, those businesses, those factories. And those people in that place, in their own way, they're crying out for help. When you look at Ohio, I said it earlier, OH, and you look at Ohio, here, here here are some of the facts. Here's the reality of the place where God has positioned us or has planted us when it comes to human trafficking. We are one of the highest areas, states, for human trafficking in all of the nation. When you look at addictions here in our state, they say that heroin and opioids are the leading cause now of deaths in Ohio residents under the age of 55. Ohio is ranked as one of the top in the nation for prescription drug usage. The CDC ranks Ohio top five for drug and alcohol addictions. 20% of adults in Ohio admit to binge drinking. In one calendar year just recently, we had over 37,000 people that entered addiction treatment here in Ohio We have nearly 700,000 Ohio residents ages 12 and up that abuse substances annually. NBC News projected Ohio to pass 10,000 annual overdoses by the end of our last calendar year. In Ohio, the number of accidents involving alcohol are well above the national average. Some counties have been quoted as saying that they have seen a tripling or a quadrupling of children in court custody or court care because of what's happening with with parents and guardians here in our state. In some settings of of the educational system, it has been reported that children or students could be as high as 86% that are falling in the poverty rate. They have told us, I've had the opportunity to talk with even some of the leaders in our educational systems, even in our region, and some of them have shared with me the need for mentoring or the need for counseling. They say that 18 to 20 percent of students are suffering from trauma or mental illness, and only one, only one out of five of those students are receiving or getting any help. Hudson Taylor was quoted as saying this, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. When you look at this passage of Scripture in the Bible, we all have a Macedonia. We all have an area, uh, whether or not it's the place you live or where you work or the hallways or corridors or locker rooms or lunch rooms of your school. We, we, all have, we all have those places that we live in, we reside. And in those places, there are people. And although it may not be called Macedonia, and it may not even be a man, may, maybe it's a woman, maybe it's you know a, a child, maybe it's someone young, maybe it's someone old. In our own way, we have people that are crying out, for help and help could be I have an addiction help it may be that I have issues and I need advice or mentoring help I have craziness going on in my family I'm the one that that has a family with issues help and we could have a lot of Macedonian cries pleading or begging as some translations say we could have people that are crying out, saying, "Will you do something?" But ultimately, it takes a Paul. It takes a person. It takes someone like you and I to step up and say, "I want to make, I want to make a difference." I heard the true story about a one-legged schoolteacher from Scotland, and this one-legged schoolteacher from Scotland came to a missions board, and offered himself to go to China to do missions work. And Mr. Taylor, one of the individuals that was part of that missions board, asked this man with only one leg, with only one leg, why would you think of going as a missionary? And this man responded, his name was George Scott, And he responded by saying, well, I don't see those with two legs going. And ultimately, George Scott was accepted to be a missionary. He would go on to make a huge difference in that region. Thousands of people were impacted by his mission's work. Corey ten Boom says this, a person is either a missionary or a mission field. Either you are the missionary, or you are the person that is needing the help. When you look at this area that Paul went to, Macedonia, and you hear words like I mentioned, careless and idolatrous and and even ignorance, I'm drawn to the fact that the Bible says that Paul decided at once. He has this vision, he has this dream, and he decided at once to go straight across, God was calling, and this moment, this call, this this stirring in his spirit, it was able to override his mind. It was able to override thinking like this place is a negative place, it's a bad place, it's a horrific place, it's a dangerous place. In this region that that Paul would go to, he actually ended up being beaten, thrown in prison on one occasion, and, and so it wasn't It wasn't like this place didn't live up to its reputation. Paul actually encountered opposition, even even from a demon or a possession or a spirit that opposed him. But I'm drawn to the fact that when he had this vision immediately, quickly, he responded and made the choice, I am going to follow this calling. I wonder if even today that sometimes you and I know what we should do. We know that we should take some steps in our family or our relationships or our spirituality. We know that God is calling us to do more, but for whatever reason, we begin to look at, you know, the calendar or we begin to look at budgets or monies or we begin to assess or analyze and we don't make that decision to say, I'm moving forward. I love that Paul gave you and I An example of God is calling and I'm going to move. I'm going to do something. And maybe as you're listening to this message today, it's your time. It's your moment to make a move in your life. The moment overrules his mind. Acts 26, 19, when Paul is recounting some of these missionary journeys, he actually tells King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. What if today, like right now, you and I are at a crossroads of am I going to obey or will I continue to live in disobedience? Am I going to move forward or am I going to stay stagnant? Am I going to heed the call of God, the purpose of God, or am I going to allow myself to pull back, or to digress, or to to distance myself from the Macedonia purpose or call of God in my life. This was a major city. They said it had great numbers, a variety of people. Speaking of major cities, I heard the joke about the blonde who got so sick and tired of hearing all the blonde jokes. And this blonde actually went home that night, and she was so tired of hearing these jokes at work that she went home and memorized all of the state capitals. She went to the office the next day, and again, the guy started with these crazy blonde jokes, and she finally interrupted them with the announcement, I've had it up to here. I've had it up to here with all of these blonde jokes. I want you to know that this blonde went home last night and did something that probably none of you have ever done. I memorized all of the state capitals. One guy didn't believe it and spoke up and said, I don't believe you, and put her to the test and said, what is the capital of Nevada? She very confidently and boldly looked back at him and said, N. That's not funny. This city is a prime, prominent city. Some would call it the first city or the capital city. And when Paul goes there, the Bible says he not only goes there, he went, then he waited. And I think in my life, I'm sure maybe in yours, there's times that you feel like you're following God's plan, that, that you go, and then it doesn't happen immediately. That you feel like you're waiting And that's what's happening for him. He went, but then he he waited. The Bible says several days or, or numerous days. He is in this waiting, holding pattern. On the Sabbath, the Bible says that Paul goes outside the city to where we thought. I'm drawn to this. We thought people would be meeting. We went outside the city to where we thought people would be meeting For prayer. They're praying on this riverbank. And as I read that, I began to think how thankful that I am for all of the people throughout the years that would be known for not only people of prayer, but going to places of prayer. He said, We went to the place where we thought people would be meeting. And I began to think about times in my life where uh, Tuesday afternoons at two o'clock, I used to go to a nursing home and Gertrude and Ruby Piper and different people in this this nursing uh, home this 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 room they had that they would meet on Tuesdays at two o'clock to pray and I began to reminisce, even just reading this about how thankful I was for people that would gather to pray on Tuesday afternoon at two o'clock. begin to think about Brian and Greg and some guys that would pray at six o'clock in the morning and we would go, Gary would be there, and I would pray with guys at six o'clock in the morning. And, and all the services and all the gatherings that we've had throughout the years, or whether or not it was a song or a sermon or a message or times like this, a prayer, I'm just so grateful for all of the times that you could count on. No, there, there's people singing. There's people praying. There, there's going to be people there. Like if you go there, I, i had people even recently that told me, Pastor Micah, this is my first time here in five years, or I haven't been here in eight years. I had a guy just the other night tell me, said I haven't been here in six months. But when they came, someone is, is leading us in God's presence, someone is singing a song, someone's parking a car, someone's praying, someone's checking a child in. Because there are places and there are people that become known. Whether or not it's a building or whether or not it's a ministry or whether or not it's these praying ladies, it becomes known. And I'm grateful for all of the people over my lifespan that have been able to be counted on that if you go there and if you show up, somebody is going to be there. And when Paul arrives, the Bible says that there are these people that are meeting or praying by this riverbank. As I began to study it, theologians teach that the reason they were not in the synagogue area, the reason they were not in a more of a church setting is because they would have needed 10 Jewish men to constitute a synagogue. But because there was not a quorum of men, there was not the amount of men, these women had gathered to pray by the river. And I look at my mom, Lois Pelkey, who is a praying woman. My wife, Angel Pelkey, who I often say, Angel is such a worshiper. She's such a woman of prayer. And I begin to look at people that God has placed even here at Storyside. Some of your moms, some of your grandmas, some of the, the spiritual leaders, those prayer warriors that you and I see them in prayer teams and ministry teams and care teams. And I'm just so grateful for all of the praying, godly, spiritual, worshiping women that God has placed in my path and in your path. And even right now as you're listening to God's Word, why, why don't you just take a moment and if you have that praying mom or that, that, that praying grandma or that, that praying spiritual one, why don't you take a moment right now and just put your hands together all over the room and let's thank God for the women that have gathered by the riverbank, others have gathered by our bedside over the years and prayed for us as children in those those growing up years. And just in a spirit of appreciation right now to say thank you, Jesus, for all of the Lydia's, for all of the ladies that have prayed for us over the years. Someone just join me in saying thank you, Jesus. Thank God for all of those people, all of those women that have prayed for us over the years the years. We know her name. We know her name. It's Lydia. We know her occupation. She was a seller of purple, of purple dye. It was very costly. Most would believe that Lydia was very wealthy. We know according to this passage that she was a worshiper of God. And we also know that she is from Thyatira. Lydia from Thyatira. But she is in Philippi. And what's intriguing is that those two places, they're not close. There actually is quite a distance between the two. And I'm sure that, that Lydia at times could wonder, why am I in Philippi? Why am I on the outskirts of town, praying on a riverbank? Most would believe that it was her business that brought her here. Other people that, that, that teach that, that potentially it was a relationship that brought her to Philippi. But you and I know that God's ways and thoughts are higher than just a job or a business or an occupation. I believe that Lydia is on the riverbank that Sabbath day to meet Paul. She's going to have a God encounter. I feel the Holy Spirit even as I just say that. Sometimes we think like, why am I here? Why, Why did I end up living here? Why did I end up positioned here? What if it was because in the big picture, God was saying, I want to do something amazing in your life. And I need you here, and I need you to get connected, and I need you to get planted. And I believe that's what's happening here in this passage with Lydia. In this river revelation, she's at this riverbank, and she's praying, not in a synagogue, not in a church setting. And I think, again, that reminds you and I that God can show up at the riverbank. When the Bible says in verse 13, it's on the outside, or it's on the outskirts, Maybe today you feel like that's you. You would say, Pastor Micah, I feel like I'm on the outside. I I don't feel like I'm in the perfect place for God to show up, but not only in this story, but in the Bible, I've seen God show up on the outside or on the outskirts. I've I've seen him show up in the riverbank. I've seen him show up in someone's truck or car or kitchen. I've seen him show up in seasons of your life where you're thinking, there's no way God could find me here and here comes his spirit, here comes his presence, here comes a Paul, here comes a person to find you. And I'm so grateful that Lydia, once again, reminds you and I that God knows how to find us when we need him most. In this story, as we close our message today, we, we see in, in this verse that it says, As she listened, the Lord opened. Could we say that together? As she listened, the Lord opened. Can we say it one more time? As she listened, the Lord opened. The word heart is referenced over 800 times in the Bible. We're going to see it referred to as a grieved heart, a discouraged heart, a wicked heart, a tender heart, an upright heart, a wise heart, a willing heart, a merry heart a heavy heart, a hard heart, a proud heart, a condemned heart, a broken heart. Acts 5, the Bible says, why has Satan filled your heart? But over and over and over again, we see that the Bible will talk about different things that can happen to our heart. And yet in this instance, the Bible says that as Paul was sharing... As Paul is talking, as Paul is communicating, that God opened up the heart of Lydia. And maybe today, that's you. You know, life has, life has a way of making our heart lean. Lean towards bitterness. Lean towards offense. Lean towards complacency. Lean towards status quo. Lean towards grief. Lean And yet in this moment, the Bible says that as Lydia listened, that her heart began to open. Her heart actually began to lean in to what God's Word and God's Spirit was speaking to her. And how awesome would it be right now, today? How incredible would it be if this was your moment to lean into what God is trying to do right now, what God wants to do next in your life? I would challenge you, as you're listening to God's Word right now, to ask yourself this question, what are the next steps that God is wanting you to take? For Lydia, she's going to go on to be baptized. She's going to go on to ask Paul and his team to come to her house. We're talking about this is us and family and relationships, and Lydia's home is going to be impacted by this teaching in this moment at a riverbank. But today, as you're listening, maybe there's some next steps that God is challenging you that He would say, Lydia, that He would call your name, and He would say, I need you to take another step forward in your life. Maybe for others, it's dedicating your baby or your child. You've never done it. That's coming up on May 23rd and May 26th. Maybe like Lydia, it's to be baptized. Lydia was baptized and maybe you need to be baptized. We have our outdoor river baptism coming up on July 14th. And maybe you feel that tug, that urge you've been thinking about it. You want to be baptized. For others maybe you know, I need to be rebaptized. I was baptized as a infant or a child or you know, I've gone through so, so much in my life and I've recommitted to Christ and I want to be rebaptized. Maybe for other junior high or high school students, some of our college age students. It's the internship. You've been torn back and forth your summer and all of your options, but but you want to take a couple of months, and you want to say, God, I want to give this summer to you, and I want to be part of the internship. That's starting on June 4th. Maybe for others, it's freedom nights. We offer freedom nights for people that have some of those addictions and habits, and maybe you've put it off thinking, you know, what's people going to think about me? What's someone going to say? And if I walk in that room, but But the truth of the matter is, God doesn't want you and I to live in denial. And maybe this is your moment right now where where your heart is telling you, take the step, make the move. Don't be a statistic. Don't don't, don't be someone that that people's going to write about and say, you know, he done or, you know, she went or they took or they make a decision. Freedom nights. Maybe that's the next step that you need to take. Maybe for someone else, you want to join our teams of outreach we do a lot of outreach throughout the years throughout the year we'll we'll feed down on the square you know people will be lined up and we'll be giving them food a lot of other things in the community that we'll do with fairs and festivals and parades and getting information out to people and the times that we go to the jail or the prison or, or things we do in the community to serve maybe maybe you feel like that's your next step that you want to make a difference that you want to help for others maybe it's the counseling When I talk about schools needed mentoring, maybe maybe you feel like you know what I could help. For others, maybe you need the counseling. Maybe your marriage—you've put it off, thinking, "What could they tell me?" Well, what could they share with me? I'm I'm not doing that, Pastor Micah. But today, that's your next step. You know it in your heart of hearts. You know that you need to ask someone else to help your relationship or your marriage. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's being part of a group. I say that life moves at the speed of relationships. We have numerous groups that are here. We have our serve teams. We also have people that connect, some of them throughout the week, some of them once a month. And and maybe you've lived in the shadows and maybe you're like disconnected. I'll come late and I'll leave early and I don't need anyone else in my life. But you've known for a while, I need to get connected. I can't do this on my own. Maybe your next step is to get connected with a group. But I want to challenge you today that we all have next steps. None of us have arrived. This is not heaven. Breaking news. This is not heaven. We've not arrived. And when you look at Lydia, in this chapter you're going to see uh, a jailer whose family's all jacked up. Uh, they, they're beating preachers. You're going to see a young girl that is possessed with a spirit. And then you're going to have Lydia who's at a prayer meeting worshiping. And they all need more of Jesus. And so sometimes it's easy to look at the people that we would, we would say, they're so far from God, Micah. You know, they're, they're so messed up. They really need Jesus. But sometimes you could be at a prayer meeting and need more of Jesus. Sometimes you could be like in this verse of Scripture, Lydia's called a worshiper. Sometimes you could be worshiping, but there's still more. There, there's still a next step. And, and regardless of where you fit in this chapter, where you fit in this passage... Every single one of us, including myself, has more things, more territory, more more of God, more of his purpose, more of his presence. What are the next steps that God is calling you to take today? As we get ready to pray, I love in verse 14, it says she accepted. She accepted. She didn't deny it. She didn't debate it. She didn't procrastinate. You see, it's one, thing, it's one thing to pay attention. Maybe right now you're leaned in, you're not scrolling Facebook, you're not half asleep, you know, you're not on social media, you know, you're not zoned out thinking about bills to pay and everything you have to do in your life. Maybe you're paying attention. It's something else. It's beyond even paying attention, and I celebrate that. It's something else when you take it and you apply it. Lydia is listening to Paul. Lydia is leaning into what Paul is saying, but then she applies it. Because you can hear about forgiveness. You can hear about dealing with anger or hate. You can hear someone say, Don't let racism slip into your heart. You can hear about getting more serious about your spirituality or prioritizing the things of God. But it's something to take what you're hearing. The Bible would say, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a, be a doer of the word. She then, Lydia, applies it to her life. She's baptized. Baptism is like the marriage vows of Christianity. Baptism is when you and I give up our name for his name. There's no name like the name of Jesus. How many of you are thankful for the name of Jesus? The name of Jesus Christ. Lydia makes a decision in this moment, I want to be baptized. And then she does something that's very interesting. She urges them, she asks them in verse 15 to come to her house. She wants the team to come to her house. I shared with you earlier that people believe Lydia was very wealthy, that this industry of the purple dye was one of the hardest to come by. It was very costly. And people believe that Lydia had a great amount of money, and in this moment of life change, she wants to bless Paul, she wants to bless them by saying, come to my house. I am so grateful for all of the people that have not only leaned in, have not only listened, they've applied, for some they've been baptized like Lydia, but they've taken those steps to say, I want my life to change. But then they've also moved into a area or realm of generosity. Storyside would not be here today if it wasn't for the generosity of Lydia types of people. We would not be able to be in Mount Vernon or Bucyrus or Ontario. We, would, we wouldn't be able to live stream to hundreds of people or to share whether it's radio or TV. We wouldn't be able to feed. We wouldn't be able to support places like Richland pregnancy services or, or the Belleville Neighborhood Outreach. We wouldn't be able to do all the things that we do if it wasn't for people like Lydia that would say, it's not just about me making money, it's about me making a difference. And I don't want just to, to see my life change. Lydia wanted to impact the ministry. She wanted to influence the ministry. And I celebrate and I appreciate the people over the years that have taken this approach and have said, I want to help, uh, support, and to give, and to be generous to what God is doing. Lydia not only was baptized, she was not only supportive, but the Bible says that it impacted her house. As we get ready to pray, I heard this story about Hattie Mae Wyatt. Hattie Mae Wyatt. She was a a little girl who lived in Philadelphia in the late 19th century. And as Hattie grew, uh, she actually ended up dying. And in her death, this is very interesting. Hattie gave, she left her life savings. it, It may not sound much when I say it to you, but this girl left her life savings of 57 cents. 57 cents to Grace Baptist Church. And this 57 cents, it's recorded that she said, I would like it to help build a bigger building for the children's ministry. It resonated with my heart because that's where my heart's at right now. I really want to help our children's ministry. We have hundreds of kids that come to our children's ministry. And every time I see the need for better flooring, Uh, for them and things that we've wanted to do with what I think is safer flooring and and things. And and then we've talked about some of the improved ministry opportunities that we could do for our children and wanting to change out for better lighting and different things. I I was drawn to this story when I read it because that's where my heart's at right now. I'm a dad, I have four kids, but many of you have kids and God has given us the opportunity to have hundreds of children that come to StorySide week after week. And that's my prayer. My prayer is as God continues to bless our church financially, that he'll stir your heart and that you will do everything in your power, like Lydia, to say, I want to help with kids. I want to help with students. I want to help with internship. Here is the outcome of this story. 57 cents is given to Grace Baptist Church with a heart for a better children's ministry. Are you ready for this? It's incredible. When the church learned of Hattie's generous gift, They gave toward her vision, they bought a property that then expanded to Temple College, which then became Temple University, which ultimately led to the Temple University Hospital. That's recorded by Russell Conwell in the university library, that story I just shared with you. You see, the reality is that some set goals to make a living that's what some people do i just need to get a job i need to get a raise i need to get more hours some people will set goals in life to make a living there are other people that say i, I do want to make a living and i want to be blessed and i want to be favored and i think that's a great thing for all of us to work hard and the bible says whatever your hands find to do do it with all your might but you don't want to just make a living you want to make a difference. And I love that about Lydia. And I pray you've been challenged like I was this week that I don't want to just see life change in my own life. I want to see life change in other people. That Paul reminds us like Lydia that we all have a Macedonia. We all have someone crying for help. And we need to say yes. Paul needs to say yes. Lydia needs to say yes. You and I, you and I need to say yes. Yes, we don't always know the difference that our decision will make. Craig Rochelle puts it this way, the decisions we make today will determine the direction of our lives tomorrow. Let me say that again before we pray. The decisions we make today will determine the direction of our lives tomorrow. I'm sure that when Hattie gave 57 cents, She's probably not imagining in her wildest dreams that it will turn into children's ministry, college, university, hospital. I'm sure when Paul is hearing that Macedonian call and he says yes and sails immediately and he's waiting and he goes to the outskirts of town and he shows up at a prayer meeting, she's probably not realizing the impact or influence on Lydia and her family and ultimately a jailer and his family, and the young girl that received deliverance. And historians would tell us and theologians would teach the impact in that region that took place from some people that just said, yes, 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 yes. What is the yes that you need to say, say to God today? Is it yes to those next steps? Is it yes to following Him? Is it yes to selling out to Him? Is it yes to generosity? Is it yes to serving? What is your yes today? What do you need to say yes to? Who, Who is asking for help in your world? Maybe you've passed them on the sidewalk. Maybe you've drove by them in the subdivision. Maybe they're the next cubicle down your job. Maybe they're in that factory or that business and, and you just haven't seen them like God is wanting you to see them. But today in his presence, as part of this prayer, you're saying yes Yes, I want to take the next steps. Yes, I want everything you have for me. Yes, I want to see the Macedonian kind of people in my life. Yes, 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 yes. And I challenge you today, your yes will make a difference, not only in your life, but your yes will make a difference in the lives of others. Let's pray together right now. Would you close your eyes just all over the room? I want to pray for you right now. God I thank you so much. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your word. I pray that we would say yes. The most important yeses that we would say to is a yes to leave sin and accept salvation to receive that free gift from a savior from Jesus. I pray that if there's people here today that need to say yes to Jesus that they would say yes. If there's people that need to let go of unforgiveness and say yes to forgiveness, I pray they would say yes today. If there's people that need to leave addictions and habits and whether or not it's counseling or accountability or getting connected to people that can help them, I I pray right now that someone would say yes. If it's accepting that call of God to say, if you need me, I I know I'm from one place, but if you need me in Philippi, God, I'm willing to go wherever you need me to go. I pray that they would say yes. If people have not been as generous as what they could be, but right now they're being challenged, I know that I could do more. It's it's not just Lydia that that is a seller of purple dye and the wealth and the money. If you know today, right now in God's presence, that you could be more generous, I pray that you would say yes. I'm asking as we pray this prayer, God, that if there's anything in our heart, anything in our lives that we've been holding back and we, we've been holding on to and right now we need to let go of, I pray that in your holy presence we would say yes. And I thank you, Jesus, that you can find us right now. It may not be a riverbank on the outskirts of town. It could be in this chair, in this row, in this service, but you can find us. And I pray that you will hear our prayers. I pray that we'll not just listen, we'll apply, we'll lean in, but we'll also accept. We'll take those next steps. And I pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.